0: Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and today we're back with Cleveland Clinic family physician Dr. Donald Ford. Happy to have you back. Thank you. This time we're here to talk about cold, fevers, and the flu. And before we begin, please remember this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So, since it's flu season, I figured uh, you'd be perfect doctor for this Facebook Live. Um, I also have some uh, flu facts that I wanted mm-hmm. to read out loud for our audience. Um, the flu may cause cold symptoms, but is a serious disease that can be fatal even for healthy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flu virus changes every year, so getting vaccinated yearly is very important. And the virus, the flu virus, can survive on heart surfaces for 48 hours. Is that true?
1: That's true. That's, That's all true. A long,
0: long time. Yep. And then the viruses used in flu shots cannot cause the flu. The flu. And I know I hear a lot about that. 100% correct. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, yep. let's go ahead and just kind of start with the difference between a cold and a flu.
1: It's a great question, Anna. Um, there are literally dozens of different viruses that are around us, um, especially during the winter time. Uh, that can cause <coughs> cold and flu-like symptoms. Now, that's a big category because a lot of them, there's a lot of gray area between what's what. Um, some of these some of these more benign viruses, we call them adenoviruses, arboviruses. There's a handful of other ones. Yeah. Um, well, we don't actually have testing for them. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know 100% of the time what exactly is causing your upper respiratory symptoms. Mm. But they're all viruses. They all have in common that they cause uh, inflammation of the mucous membranes, and they run about anywhere from three days to a week, typically, and then they clear out. So uh, both you're, cold you're... and
0: flu are three days a week?
1: No, so, so that's the okay. cold. So that's oh, for the that's cold. the cold, okay. There's one particular family of viruses called influenza, mm-hmm. and those are the viruses that cause the flu. Now, that is a more serious thing. It's typically characterized by a high fever, it can be a very serious illness, as you said. So even for, even for healthy people, um, the, 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 the flu can be a dangerous thing. Yeah. Uh, historically, if, if uh, anybody is a student of history, you might know that uh, in 1918, which was, which was uh, just before the, the First World War, there was uh, an outbreak of influenza across the world, killed 18 million people wow. worldwide. We haven't seen anything like that since then, thank God. Yeah. Uh, but we can't forget that uh, last year in the United States alone, 80,000 people died of influenza. So it's a real serious thing. Sure. Colds we can deal with, we can, we can talk about, and I love to talk about what the difference is so people understand what's going on.
0: Great, perfect. Well, let's talk about when you're most contagious, because that's yeah. an important one.
1: This is a tricky thing about viruses mm-hmm. because the most contagious time for any virus is before you actually get sick. Oh. So that makes it really difficult. So you, you know, how do you know? Well, I've been around people who've been sick, they've been sneezing on me, you know, perhaps, you know, we've been shaking hands and stuff. Um, in those first two to three days before the symptoms start, you're actually developing and starting to shed the virus. So in my world where I go in and see a lot of people, some of whom are sick, some of whom are okay, that's why I wash my hands every time. Yeah, It's partly for my own protection, but it's also for your protection sure. because I don't know if a person I saw two days ago was sick with a virus, gave me a virus that I haven't even started to get symptomatic from, mm. and I can communicate it to you. So you see doctors, nurses, healthcare workers always washing their hands. That's the real reason why.
0: And you're saying that you can get the virus in your system 2 to 3 days before you feel anything
1: there's usually a period of, of, of anywhere from a few days to even a week wow. with some viruses before you even feel the first symptom where you're actually starting to develop the virus and develop the immune response in your own body
0: and then you're contagious the whole time until you're completely typically a, off your with system. a couple
1: of exceptions now now one of the things when we we'll we'll talk about this i know in a little bit but there is medication that we can prescribe for influenza. Mm-hmm. And after you get the medication in, into your body, that typically stops the reproduction of the virus, so you may not be as as contagious after starting in uh, medication specifically for influenza.
0: Okay, great to know. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about fevers because that's kind of like the scary yep. part. So yep. what causes a fever and what is actually happening to my body when I'm feeling really warm?
1: So a fever, you know, we we talk uh, colloquially, we talk around, you know, anytime you feel hot, you feel uh, you feel warm and sweaty, that's a fever. Now, in medicine, we actually uh, we quantify that. So a fever has to be 101 degrees or higher. Mm-hmm. And the reason we, we put that kind of uh, specification on it is because we really see that there's different meaning for temperatures that may be above normal, mm-hmm. but not quite up there. So what we call a low-grade fever okay. may actually... Represent a different set of of um, illnesses than something that gives the high fever right right high fever is is characteristic specifically of influenza and and we 'll get into that more what 's happening in your body is it 's actually part of the body 's immune response, mm-hmm. so we think of fever as something bad and and of course we want to bring down the fever and people will put on cold packs and people will even stand in the shower, of course we give Tylenol and, or uh, anti-inflammatory medications, all of which are designed e- just to bring down the fever. They may have other effects like muscle aches and, right. and, and things like that. But uh, having a fever is very uncomfortable. But the funny thing is it's our own body starting to fight off what's invading us. So if, if a virus gets into our system, it's in the mucous membranes, it starts to show up in the bloodstream, our immune systems release chemicals called bradykinins and, and, and other types of, of inflammatory chemicals that actually start to increase the heat in the body, start to increase our core temperature. And part of what happens is it makes it very uncomfortable for the virus to live. So we're, we're literally trying to cook the virus out of our bodies.
0: Wow. So we're, our body's actually fighting off the, oh. the, the virus when Correct. this is happening. Yep, But when is it like, okay, this is enough of this heat that's happening in my mm. body. I need to see a doctor.
1: Well, that's part of it. So so, so it can be very uncomfortable. And, yeah. and, and we do recommend that you take something like acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, or, or uh, anti-inflammatory medications mm-hmm. to bring down the temperature. Part of the problem is you can get dehydrated really easily. I see. So when your body is is that warm, you're sweating more. You're releasing more fluids. You're releasing it through your mucous membranes. People with a fever, if you haven't noticed, they tend to go to the bathroom more, yes. um, so you lose fluids. you gotta, you got to keep drinking a lot of water, okay. and it's also a smart idea to do something like take some, some medicine to keep the fever down. Okay. So how do you know when to go to the doctor? Well, we use that cutoff really as 101. If you're just looking at the fever, below that you're probably okay. Above that, definitely should get checked out.
0: Okay, so if your fever is over 101, mm-hmm. go see a physician. Yeah. Okay, now no, that, There are
1: other things too yes. because because in terms of what I just said, you want to make sure you're able to keep up on the fluids. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've got a lower temperature than 101 but you're throwing up, you're you not able to in. drink, can't mm-hmm. keep things down, can't take that Tylenol or, or that Motrin, that might be a good sign time to go see the doctor as well.
0: Okay. Okay. What about for kids? Now when yeah. my kids get a fever, mm-hmm. that's like the world kind of ends for me. Yeah. <laughs> like and again, sometimes yeah. you call the physician or the nurse on call yeah. and she tells you if she's not throwing up, if mm-hmm. she's fine, she's not dehydrated, let her go through yep. the fever.
1: So kids tend to get higher temperatures than grown okay. ups. They're gonna go their temperature's gonna go up much faster and down much faster. Mm. Now, there are things that we have to watch out for, which is super fast elevation of temperatures in kids, it's possible, it's very rare, but it's possible that can, that can actually cause a seizure in some, in some children. So we are telling parents to really do what you can to keep the temperature down. You want to moderate it. You don't want that temperature to sh- shoot yeah. through the roof. Uh, but on the other hand, the temperature by itself isn't, isn't the criterion. What I said before and what you said are really what's important. Can they keep down fluids? Are they eating? Right. Are they drinking? You see a kid, he's got a temperature of 102, and he's sitting there playing with blocks on the floor and looking happy and smiling at you.
0: Just leave him as That's baby. an okay yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and if they can't keep it down and they're having issues, is now is 101 still the magic number for kids as well? It's,
1: it's a cutoff, so you know I'm I'm actually hesitant to say okay. that's the magic number yeah. because again, really, what it has to do with is much more of what I described about overall behavior and, sure. and and energy level, attentiveness, responsiveness, that sort of thing. Okay. So but that's you know, when you when you talk about what we call a fever, that's what doctors call a fever.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, okay. great. Now I wanna kind of um, give you symptoms that people get confused Wanna with. want to give me symptoms? I'm going to give you those oh, symptoms. <laughs> right.
1: okay. I thought this was a friendly I'll read place. off these symptoms right.
0: to you, and then you tell me if it's a cold or flu, because I think a lot of people get confused. Very good. And then you can tell me how it feels for a cold or for a flu. So let's start with the fever. Okay. Is it a cold or a flu?
1: Okay. Can't tell. Now, can't tell. Can't tell. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, when I define a fever as being over 101, that is much more typically seen with influenza. Okay. So that... Okay. that really should be in the flu but okay. but but when we talk about these low grade fevers and stuff you can get that with any virus
0: we can, you can get that with mm-hmm. just a cold you can get a fever yeah. i always thought if you had a fever it's definitely the flu yeah. okay. there
1: are other things that you can could, that can cause fever as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: mononucleosis and and uh, ear infections um, strep throat that I sort see. of thing that's right. sort of out of the, the the stuff that we're talking about here today mm-hmm. but it's, so it, it w- i would never say it's just the flu but if you're going to compare those two more likely the flu more less likely the A a, cold.
0: cold. Okay, great. How about headaches?
1: Characteristic of influenza, very common and can occur with colds as well.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. How about uh, general aches and pains?
1: That can occur with both. It's often related to the fever, so you'll see those going hand in hand. Worse with with the flu but still possible to be present with the cold.
0: Would you say that's the same thing with fatigue and weakness? I would say so, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, how about like stuffy nose, sneezing, sore that, throat?
1: Now, that's, that's <laughs> a good one, okay? So stuffy nose, the nasal congestion is almost always the cold, not oh. the flu. So the flu doesn't cause you to be congested. And that's something we can hear talking to patients on the phone. They're coming in and you say, I think I've got the flu. I'm sneezing. I've got a runny nose. I can tell just right there it's probably not the flu. Very now I can't tell you exactly what it is, but yeah. I, but I can tell you it's it, it's unlikely to be influenza.
0: Okay. How about any chest discomfort or coughing?
1: Coughing is is entirely characteristic of the in, of uh, of influenza, but it oh. can occur with colds as well. Okay. Now, it's an interesting thing, because we didn't really talk about this, but with the sore throats, yeah. one of the things that we listen for as we're talking to people about their their uh, symptoms. If you have a sore throat and a cough, probably not strep.
0: Okay. Sore oh. throat
1: without a cough, very likely could be strep.
0: Very likely could be strep yeah. if you have a sore throat and not a cough?
1: Yeah, but you still have to get come in and get a test, get oh, a swab. very yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay, good to know. Um, yep. Now, how about... Like other complications, especially with kids, mm-hmm. um, that can cause a fever. I know you talked a little bit about yep. that. Like, can we talk about um, RSV? What that is? And sure. The complications.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I can say it, but I'll yeah, try. That's why I gave it yeah. to
0: you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. syncytial virus. Respiratory is the breathing system. syncytia is a Latin word for the for the tissue of the lungs itself, and of okay. course, a virus is a virus. Right. Um, RSV is very common. Both in adults and kids, mm. but most adults have been exposed to it enough that they don't get sick from it anymore. Okay. So we typically see illness from RSV more in children than in adults. Now, the illness caused by RSV is is a, a respiratory illness um, by by the name of the of the virus. Mm-hmm. It's in the chest. That it has that in common with influenza. Typically causes a more barky cough or wheezing, okay, and and the treatment for it that they, they will often give uh, a, an aerosol treatment of something called epinephrine, mm-hmm. which which tends to help that. RSV is usually a pretty brief illness, okay. two to three days. By all means, I've seen cases longer than that, and you can get complications from it. If a child is really sick with it, they can be in the hospital even, even longer. Right. But for the most part, it's a, it's a two- to three-day illness, which is briefer than what we usually see with influenza.
0: Okay, and then... Mm-hmm. With strep throat, mm-hmm. I know we talked about this. A now, bit. strep
1: throat is the odd man out of everything we've talked about today because strep throat is caused by a bacteria. Okay, I see. Very few upper respiratory symptoms are caused by bacteria, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing because right. we're covered with bacteria. Bacteria is all around us in the world, every place we touch, uh, everything. If if these bacteria were causing us illness we'd be in trouble because right. we're exposed to them constantly. Right. Most of them just live with us perfectly, peacefully, and, right. and don't cause any symptoms. Strep is a family of, of bacteria, and one member of that family, group A strep, is the one that causes strep throat. I see. And it does go from person to person, which is actually fairly unusual for this, mm. um, for, for bacteria that cause illness. Um, mm-hmm. So we do have to watch out for it. I already told you a couple of the things that we we look for. So uh, almost always characterized by sore throat mm-hmm. and almost never by cough. Now it can cause a, uh, cause a fever, doesn't cause the stuffy nose. Mm-hmm. So a few things in there are, are enough to um, help us start to distinguish. But we really do encourage folks to go in and get a a, a, a rapid strep test, we can do it right in the office. That's the only um, way
0: you can find out if it's strep is if you go to the doctor's is the, office and get is the, the swab, test, yeah. Right, okay.
1: Because as much as I've said that, you know, strep is sort of the odd, odd person out and, and, and it's an unusual bacteria. Right. People who come in with sore throat and fever, 90% of them, it's a virus and it's not um, strep.
0: Very interesting. So, yeah. Okay, what about, let's talk about ear infection or teething. Especially, mm. obviously, we're talking about kids here because kids yep. have a lot of the same symptoms as a fever. So, how could you tell mm-hmm. if someone has a newborn or yeah, an it's infant?
1: A, it, it's tough. Uh, you know, I'm I'm the father of three, and I remember when when my kids were little, and that was actually before I became a doctor. So, oh. so you you look at them, boy, you know, is he tugging on his ear? Yeah. you know that that sort of thing. Uh, it 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 isn't an easy call because some kids. Don't, don't seem to be pulling on their ear at all, right, and, right. you know, unless you're qualified to look in somebody's ear, it's really hard to tell. As a doctor, I can look in a kid's ear quickly and know if it's an ear infection or not. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we usually look at the overall comfort level of the child. Same things I talked about before. Are they eating? Are they drinking? Okay. And a very important thing with ear infections that's a relatively new discovery. We've historically we've always treated them with antibiotics. Kids will get over ear infections without antibiotics if you yeah. let them wow. most of the time. Yeah. And you know, I'm giving a lot of qualifications in there because there are all sorts of reasons why you know, maybe maybe the kid is is really not looking well and you really right. want to do something to help them um, or or maybe there are other people in the house that you want to protect. There are all sorts of reasons why you would go ahead and treat, but we always want to give the parents the option. If you're if you're comfortable with this, yeah, we can just watch this young person. How and, and long see. is
0: an ear infection usually?
1: Three to five days. Three to five days. A lot days. of the times. Now that so that's one of the things we'll do. We'll say watch him for three to five days, and if he does okay, On
0: maybe we don't need anything. Okay. If
1: he's still sick after a week, maybe you know, call me or yeah. A lot of times, I'll just give people a prescription and print it out, not. Sent electronically until needed. Yeah. So okay. hold on to that and see if you need it.
0: Very good. Yep. Okay, so besides kids, they're still building their immune mm-hmm. system. Who else is at high risk for developing any kind of flu complications?
1: So from the flu, the people that we worry about the most are the young mm-hmm. and the old. So okay. people over 65 and, and and children, young, young children. Um, people over 65 are more vulnerable to disease i don't want to say it's because they're lacking the immune system it's really just it's an effect of aging that you're just more vulnerable so uh, as an older person gets secretions in their chest they may be may have a harder time clearing them um they're just, you know, they have less body fat, so so less storage right. of of nutrients and so forth. So they can get dehydrated more easily. Right. Um, so those are those are part of the the things that we see in the elderly. Um, and also, just somebody with a lot of chronic illnesses, perhaps somebody with heart disease or lung disease—they're just going to be more vulnerable. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, again, it's not not to be, not to try to scare people at all, but uh, you know, we did see we did see a lot of deaths in the United States last year from the influenza and most of them were the very young and the very old. I see. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. cuz it sounds like we we take the, you know, the flu shot, you wouldn't think yep. that that many people are still dying from this yeah, disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about prevention and treatments. Yeah. Um, how do you treat the cold versus the flu? Yeah.
1: Well, the tr- the the treatment for a cold is entirely supportive and and what that means another way of saying that is symptomatic treatment. Yeah. So you just try to give people suggestions for things that they can do. To help the symptoms because it 's going to run its course, right. it doesn't matter what you do if you 've got the cold, if you 've got an adenovirus or one of the other viruses that mm-hmm. cause colds we don't have any medicine that can that can make it go away we the cold so yeah. we're just
0: we're just treating the cold the <laughs> cough or sore throat yeah. or something like
1: that so cough medicine is 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 uh, perfectly legitimate to give. There's a lot of good ones that are over-the-counter.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, there are ones that can be, can be given by prescription. You know, I have a couple of things that are not narcotics. The narcotics, I typically, I, you know, I'm a little cautious with that. We know everything in the world, sure. that you know, the dangers of, of narcotic medication. So I do try to stay away from that wherever possible. Right. But sometimes if somebody really can't sleep, sleep is very helpful to right. get over an illness, right. so I don't, you know, I, I'm not gonna uh, not prescribe something if it, if, if if it's it gonna help. help them sleep. Sure, sure. <coughs> um, oh. Decongestants yeah. are another thing for uh, for for treatment. And here's the one that I'm I am a huge fan of saline spray. Okay. Um, because you can get that for just a few bucks, or you can even whip it up in your own kitchen with just a little salt water and salt yeah. salt and water mixed up and put it in a little spray bottle. That's what our bodies crave hydration we're trying to get something to wash all the mucus out, hydrate the tissues, shrink them up, and start to restore the balance in our in our mucous membranes
0: well, what is the home remedy again that's that's salt and water i,
1: I say you know the proportions are about a, a drinking glass full of warm water and a teaspoon of salt.
0: Okay. mix that up
1: together, you can pour some into a little spray bottle like you know, yeah. the medicated nasal sprays are in, sure. which you can get in the drugstore. You can use an old one that you've emptied and cleaned out, and then just use that because you can <clears throat> spray it into, your, into oh. your nostrils 10 times a day. if It's you not want. harmful in it's any not way, harmful. there's no effect.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's excellent, yep. it's very, and very it'll make you think you're at the ocean, right? <laughs> that's good. right. Yeah. Is it gonna burn? <laughs> it might. Okay, well, let's talk about vaccines. Um, ah. Let's talk about first of all, there are people that may be allergic to eggs, and I know there's mm-hmm. some eggs in the vaccine. The, is that right? The
1: the, the vaccine is is um, has to be essentially cultured; it's grown. It's um, a protein. So they do that in a in a medium that contains materials from eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so so getting so an egg allergy is 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 challenging because if it's true serious allergy, we really can't use that of vaccine for okay,
0: you. okay okay um, so we're at the end of January ish mm-hmm. um, is it too late to get my flu shot if I didn't
1: nope because we think that the flu season typically will go through March maybe even into April Really? so uh, given that we think that the the, the effectiveness of the uh, flu shot takes about two weeks after you get the flu shot for it to be fully effective oh, although know. there's some of there's some uh, protection even the next day right. Um, it's, it gradually builds up over about two weeks as your body is, is, is um, bringing the, uh, the vaccine in. Okay. Uh, so given that we've got at least two and a half, three months left of the flu season, by all means, still get it. How about
0: pregnant women? Does it protect Preg- them and the baby?
1: Pregnant women are, are the most important part of our population that we want to immunize okay. because it protects them and their baby. It does yeah. protect them
0: and their baby. Okay, so going back to the, well, the nasal spray you said mm-hmm. to, to do at home, but I know yep. the nasal spray was available for my kids two years ago, but not okay. last year. So
1: the, two different nasal sprays here we'll, uh, yeah. ta- we'll okay. talk about. So the, what I was talking about was the, the home remedy of uh, how to, how to uh, clear out the mucus from your uh, nasal passages if you have a cold. Mm-hmm. The nasal spray vaccine mm-hmm. has been on the market for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um Anybody who's ever tried to give a, a a vaccine to a kid will know. Kids will much rather take a, a spray Absolutely. up their, their nostrils than get Absolutely. a shot in their arm. Right. Uh, so it's been a real benefit to, to getting a lot of kids immunized. Now the problem is there have been some times when uh, the the message has been, don't use the nasal spray this year. Right. right, And it's not because the nasal spray is bad. It's not because there was a recall. It's because we haven't really gotten into this, but I, I, I said initially, influenza is a family of vaccine, of, okay. of, of, of viruses. Okay. It's a family of them. So we never know f- from one year to the next exactly which one's going to show up okay. until we start to get some clues. Okay. Um, so there are groups who are constantly tracking what type of flu, what strain of flu is appearing in different places we will typically get strains that have already started to appear in parts of the Orient in and parts, in parts of Asia, mm-hmm. uh, typically will appear there before they come to the United States. So we have a little bit of time yeah. on the order of about six months to, to try to figure out what the best vaccine is going to be and to formulate that vaccine. So there have been some years, many years, when either the shot or the nasal spray were perfectly appropriate Treatments, mm-hmm. but there have been some years, and I believe last year was one of them when they said, you know, this year that nasal spray is not going to be effective against this year's flu.
0: Depending on the strain.
1: Yeah. The yep. Depending flu. on the
0: strain. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Did not know that. Um, okay, good. So let's kind of talk about. We're about to gonna, We're going to give us five more minutes. We're going to go into live questions. Okay. But till then, tell our audience how to stop. Spreading the infection. Okay. <laughs> important.
1: This is good. Well, yeah. there, there are two options, really. You can wrap yourself in plastic. No. Um, <laughs>
0: Bubble wraps. That's, not, that,
1: that's, got, that's got its own downside. <laughs> Hand washing is the most important thing. If you come into any hospital, into any medical clinic, You'll see people right and left washing their hands. I could do a close-up and show you how chapped my hands are, which is, which is another issue entirely. But if I see 25 patients in a day, I guarantee you I'm washing my hands 50 times in a day Yeah. Uh, because I wash before and after. It is the most effective way of preventing the transmission of wintertime viruses, both the cold and the flu.
0: Okay.
1: Now, influenza can also transfer through the air. So you may see people... Who have the flu wearing masks, you may see people in the hospital wearing masks because that's a that is a courtesy because you're you're also helping that from spreading as well.
0: Right. And just like I tell my kids, Mm
1: -hmm. use your elbow when you're sneezing. Use your elbow when you sneeze. Avoid crowds if you can. Yep. Okay. And And surfaces too. Remember you said at the start. 48 hours on surfaces. So, you know, if you're in a place where it's just you, just your family at home. Um, and you know nobody there is sick. You're probably okay. You know you don't need to be, um, you know, completely obsessive about sure. washing surfaces. But if you're in a public space or in a medical facility like this, we're, you'll s- you'll see us w- sanitizing and washing the surfaces all the time.
0: Okay. Speaking yeah. of sanitizers, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about hand sanitizers and antibacterial soap?
1: Yeah. So so depending on exactly what type of um, bacteria or virus you're talking about, they're usually both effective. Now part of the problem, we tend to encourage people to use the soap and water more than the hand sanitizers. It does seem to be a slightly higher effectiveness in terms of washing your hands with soap and water. And I think part of that is, is sort of technique, if you will. Okay. Because if, you know, people just put a little dab in their hand and they just kind of... Just
0: center of their palm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're not really getting it where you need to around your yeah, fingers, which are going to be get. okay. Taut- so when I, everything. Yeah. When I
0: hear something about the, bac- the antibacterial soap or sanitizer can kill all the good germs and good bacteria yep. in our hand, what do you say about that?
1: Uh, I, I would that it were that powerful, but it's not. Yeah, it's not that powerful. Yeah, not okay. that powerful. We, we have bacteria all over us, and when we wash our hands, we will remove the, the surface bacteria. Within minutes, it'll okay. be back there.
0: Okay, so yeah. to keep your immune system strong mm-hmm. and to keep building it up, I'm going to tell you three truths and a okay. lie. Okay, So you're going <laughs> to tell me which one it is. Okay. So take your vitamin C, uh-huh. uh, eat a good diet, uh-huh. and sleep. What is the lie?
1: Vitamin C. Why is that? It's never been proven to have any effectiveness in terms of raising your immune system. Okay. It doesn't prevent colds. It doesn't prevent the flu. Mm-hmm. It's a necessary vitamin. And there's a terrible disease called scurvy that happens to people who are deficient, who are deficient in vitamin C. So do, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not important. But taking mega doses of vitamin C, <clears throat> you hear a lot of people saying, yeah, well, I, I, I thought I was getting sick, took a bunch of vitamin C, went away. Uh, that's that's good luck. Unfortunately, okay. it's not yeah. good science. Okay, so that's a mess. Yeah. that's very yeah. good to know. Yeah.
0: All right, well, I'm done with my questions. Okay. I'm going to go to our audience with their questions. Beautiful. So we're going to start with Darlene. Um, do antivirus shots work when symptoms start?
1: Do antivirus shots work when symptoms, symptoms start? start? So I'm going to assume you're talking about a flu shot. So that's that's the main antiviral shot that we have. Uh, we we usually say to people it's never too late to get the flu shot. We really don't know. We, we we have testing where we can identify the flu, but you know if you're starting to get sick, it's not a reason not to get your flu shot. Right. Um, if you haven't had it that uh, so far, um, you, we could question whether it truly would be effective. I said before it takes about two weeks for the vaccine to get really effective. So if you if if you literally had the flu that day and got the vaccine that day, it might make no difference. But the truth is. We don't know going in if it actually is the flu, so we always encourage people to go ahead and get it if they feel okay.
0: Perfect. And then, uh, Sandra, uh, Mm. I have read and watched videos on how the flu vaccines mess with the immune system and is causing many other issues. How true are these?
1: Uh, I'm afraid I can't give a lot of uh, uh, credence to that. Uh, I don't know exactly what you mean in terms of mess with the immune system. Any vaccine is meant to have an effect on the immune system. That's how they work. What vaccines are are basically false viruses or bacteria, ones that are not able to make you sick, that you put into your body to make your body think that you've actually been exposed to it. Our body's immune system has a memory, if you will, so that the next time we're exposed to that, that thing, the real thing, yeah. we're able to fight it off. Immunizations are the heart and soul of how we live long, healthy lives today. Uh, the world was different 100 years ago. None of us were here 100 years ago. Um, I encourage everybody to really read the history because, because uh, I talked about 1918 when, when uh, 18 million people died in, yeah. in, uh, across the world from the influenza. We haven't seen that recently, and a big part of why we haven't seen that recently is because of Makes immunizations, sense. right?
0: Great. And then yeah. Sue, how do you know if an illness is viral or bacterial?
1: Yeah, it's tricky, and uh, I don't, I don't have an easy way. Uh, that's why we typically will invite people into the clinic to come and see us, or, or go to one of our express cares, because I can't tell uh, easily if there could be something in the ears, something up in the sinuses. Um,
0: you have to be checked.
1: You have to be checked, yeah. We're doing more and more with telehealth these yes. days, so, uh, so we have some doctors who are really training themselves to be able to do that through a video interface. Right. Um, uh, but it's a, but it's, it's, frankly, it's a tricky skill because sometimes I would say I could tell within a couple of minutes of taking a look at somebody quite easily if it's vac- bacterial or viral, whereas if I'm talking to them on the phone, I don't really know right. the difference. Right. What I can say is that that over ninety percent of illnesses during the winter months are going to be viral and and uh, it's it's actually the exception that are bacterial
0: and then Carl wants to know if mm-hmm. uh, a virus is a living organism like bacteria yeah.
1: that's a good question and it a is. hard question because because even philosophers have debated this one oh. we We typically define something that's alive as as something that's able to reproduce that has a genetic code now viruses qualify on, on both those fronts, because viruses can reproduce mm-hmm. and uh, they have genes. Usually, a virus is just a little tiny protein packet full of genes. What separates it from what we usually think of as, as living stuff is that viruses have no organs at all. They have nothing. and In fact, they don't even have the reproductive means of reproducing themselves. They just have the DNA code. So what they do is, what viruses do is they find a host, either a person, a bacteria, an animal, and they literally insert themselves into the genes of that host, and then the host actually starts producing, reproducing the virus. So it's always been an argument, uh, uh, sort of philosophically, whether that actually means viruses are alive or not. Because without a host the virus couldn't reproduce and couldn't do anything. That's very good information. Yeah. I had
0: no idea. Yeah. And then Laverne, what is the difference uh, in a severe cold and <clears throat> an actual flu?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there really is no similarity between a severe cold and a, and, and a flu because if it's not caused by the influenza virus, it's not the flu. Now, we use these terms a lot, you know, um, cold or flu, cold, flu-like illness, that sort of thing, because without testing, we can't tell you right. 100% sure whether it is or it isn't. And we do have testing for the flu. Most of these other viruses that, that I had mentioned, we don't have a test for. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't run one off to the lab. Mm-hmm. So um, so you can be very sick with a cold. You can get a virus that is not the influenza that can lead to complications like a pneumonia. People can end up in the hospital. All that is possible. We simply single out the flu because a it's typically more severe B we have typically seen complications particularly in these more vulnerable groups right. the young and the old um and 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 frankly because we also have some other weapons testing and immunization right, against it right
0: all right and then, and that how long does the flu last
1: flu can typically be 5 to 10 days we'll say I talked about three-day illnesses. Uh, uh, I've never seen a flu that only lasted three days. Uh, So for most people, it's going to be about a week. Sometimes a little shorter, sometimes a little bit longer.
0: And symptoms vary. Yeah. Makes it really hard for you. It's a hard job. And then, Barb, why are sinus infections so bad this time of year? Mm
1: -hmm. Sinus infections are a bacterial infection, and we haven't really talked about that much, uh, except a little bit of compare and contrast with some of these viral illnesses. Big Important point about bacterial illnesses like sinus infections: you can't catch them from anybody. You start out with a cold. What happens is you get a cold. It causes the nasal congestion. Mm. Remember that doesn't happen as often in the, with the flu. Right. And if your anatomy in your in your sinuses is such, you may end up starting to get fluid building up in your sinus spaces. Sinuses are are cavities in the in the bones of the face. Those cavities fill with fluid, bacteria that's already there, all that good bacteria starts to grow in that warm, wet environment and then can become what we would medically talk about as an overgrowth phenomenon. So the bacteria that's causing sinus infections is our own normal bacteria bacteria that's in an abnormal state of growth. So, so you've never. Here's you know, one of the things that I I try to help patients understand is you know I'll I'll have someone come in and say, well, my wife was just you know had had exactly the same symptoms that I did, and she was treated with antibiotics for a sinus infection. Now I got the same symptoms. I said, well, whatever it is, you didn't get it from her. Mm -hmm. Now you may have gotten the original virus from her, but you can't get a sinus infection from somebody else. You can't get an ear infection from somebody else. Okay. You can get strep, and you can get all of these viruses from someone else. So
0: sinus else. infection, ear infection is not a contagious Correct. Okay, yeah. cool. And then Bonnie, um, have had mm-hmm. reoccurring sinus infections. Mm-hmm. Do automatic cleaners for pap machines work? Any recommendations?
1: so, uh, so I, I assume you're talking about then the, the CPAP, so some people have to wear a, a, a mask type device to help oh. them breathe at night for sleep apnea. I see okay. so uh, yeah, so anytime that you have water sitting in uh, a static uh, well, so you know a cup of water, a, a container of water, the reservoir on a CPAP machine, reservoir on a humidifier, which happens for a lot mm-hmm. of people. That has to be cleaned regularly, otherwise bacteria will grow in there. And it's actually not just bacteria this time, it's funguses, oh, yeah. which we haven't even talked about. Yeah, but they can story. get in, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Uh, and, and these machines are designed to move that, that uh, water into the air, humidify the, the, the air that they're blowing through, and then they, they literally blow it right into your airway. Um, so, you got to clean it. Keep it clean. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then, uh, Louis, how do you diagnose a sinus infection? And if mm-hmm. you have one, does it need to be treated or it, will it clear mm-hmm. on its own?
1: Great question. So, I just talked about sinus infections as being our own s- sort of spontaneous response to another type of infection. So, it would always start with a virus, cold, uh, other type of, of, of uh, viral infection. So you develop the nasal congestion, in the wrong set of circumstances, it may start to build up in the sinuses. One of the clues that we get, and this is, this is a really important one that, that um, I don't know that a lot of people really think about outside of, uh, of, of medicine. What we'll see is we'll see that virus causes the symptoms, it starts to get worse, actually starts to get better, and then a few days later, that bacteria starts to overgrow. So there's usually a gap. And what this causes is is you get ill for a few days, think you're on the upswing, think you're getting better, and then you start to get sick again. Mm. Often with a lot of pressure in the sinuses, that nasal congestion is, is thick and may have an odor to it. One myth I like to bust all the time is that the color of the mucus doesn't mean a thing because... Uh, mucus it does, or does, does, not? Not, it does not does mean not a mean a thing because okay. if you have somebody who's had a cold for a week, their mucus is going to be green I see, but it I doesn't see. tell us what it it's doesn't from mean any, okay. but what I just described is that illness that gets gets worse, gets better, and then gets worse again. That's very characteristic of a sinus, a sinus infection. infection yeah very, very good to story. the second part of your qu- question, just like with kids and ear infections we're learning that we don't always have to treat those with antibiotics we're learning we don't have to treat sinus infections with antibiotics as well. Mm. What's the advantage of that? Well, antibiotics can cause a lot of problems. Sometimes yeah. it's yeast infections, uh, sometimes it's that you're building up immunity. It's not you building up immunity, it's the bacteria, bacteria right. building up immunity that to that particular antibiotic. It causes diarrhea, it can cause skin rashes, can cause all sorts of other yeah. things. So there's always a good reason to at least Stop and think, do I need this antibiotic? Everybody wants to get better. We want people to get better. We don't want people to suffer. You know, most most of us got into this business because we're trying to help people, you know, relieve their pain and suffering. But sometimes it's, you know, we should take a minute and think, is that really, really going to, help me or or is that possibly going to cause more complications sure.
0: and people don't know that they think they want yep. medicine to feel yep. better that's why it's very important Understood. what you're doing right now is to inform you know, patients in our audience about yeah. what, to, what to take and what not yeah. to um i have seri kent mm-hmm. um he's asking why do so many doctors treat bronchitis with antibiotics ah. when most of the times it's a viral cause well, you like know you're talking about. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> welcome to my world. Um, so yeah, bronchitis has been proven to be a viral infection. It is a viral phenomenon. There actually was some early research that was a little bit misguided. So people with the symptoms of bronchitis were cultured. They put uh, culture swabs down their throat and, and swab out their large airways. They grew bacteria and went, aha, it's bacterial. Well, if you swab anything. You're going to get some to bacteria. bacteria. Right. So, so really, it was a, it was, it was a misguided um, effort in medicine. Um, bronchitis, uh, the itis in, 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 uh, in Latin means inflammation, and then usually in medical terms, it's preceded by the na- part of the anatomy. So the bronchi, which are the large airways, not the little tiny microscopic airways that are in the lungs but the big tubes that lead from the lungs to uh, the the trachea, to the the largest airway, that's all called the bronchial tree. Mm -hmm. And if you get a virus that manages to get past your upper respiratory area down into the bronchial tree, it's going to cause inflammation. It's a virus like anything else. There's a big difference though when it gets down here. And it's not that it's all of a sudden decides to become bacterial because it can't. A a virus can't transform into a bacteria. Um, What happens is it inflames the linings of those large airways. They get swollen, they get thick, and as they get swollen and thick they secrete mucus, which is why you start to cough stuff up, so it becomes a productive cough. Part of the body's response to that is that it actually sheds the entire lining of your airway more stuff to cough up cough up. Sheds, like Sheds. more fluid. Yep. Adding on. Okay. Yep. And so every time that happens <clears throat> more stuff <clears throat> you have to keep clearing it out, coughing, coughing, coughing. Mm-hmm. And what you're left with is essentially a naked airway. Um, you it's it's got its outer layer of cells have all been shed off. So it's very sensitive to cold. You see a lot of people they've had bronchitis and they, they can't go out in the cold without <clears throat> you know, reactive right. cough. Right. Um, and, and it can take weeks to get better from. So I tell people if they've got bronchitis, it's going to last four to six weeks at a minimum. Wow. And contagious? Don't worry. Well, it's contagious like any virus right. at the early parts, okay. probably most before you even get sick. Right. But after a week or two weeks, not at all. Okay. And people are very disturbed. They think that, the, understandably so, that they, they think they've got this persistent cough. It's got to be something terrible. Yeah. But if you know going in... This is bronchitis, you're not going to feel well, and you're going to be coughing for four to six weeks. Sometimes it just helps, and and people can say, okay, i just got to take my time and get better. Yeah, Yeah.
0: good. Uh, Stella is saying that she had bronchitis in November and then got it again three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, The x-ray showed my lungs were inflated. Never heard that before. What is inflated lung?
1: Well, that description, uh, as I understand it, has nothing to do with bronchitis. So uh, I I don't know anything about your medical conditions, and I don't want to make any any assumptions. But that description of an inflated lung, which the term would be actually hyperinflated, um, is a a sign that we see often with COPD or asthma. So people who have, uh, both of those are called obstructive airway disease. They lead to taking deeper breaths, than usual all the time and that you can breathe in more easily than you can breathe out, which mm-hmm. is why both of those cause wheezing. That's the result of, of easy in, hard, hard out. out. Okay. And, and So what you see on an x-ray picture is that the, the, the lungs have a typical shape with a, with a round diaphragm and what we'll see is that chest is slightly expanded. That diaphragm is flattened, and we describe that as hyperinflated. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're talking about, and, I, and I'm f- afraid I can't answer any more specifically than that.
0: Okay, and then okay. Um, we got Mary. Any suggestions mm-hmm. for natural remedies for cold and flu?
1: Well, the one I, I always go back to is the one I talked about, which is the nasal saline spray. A little bit of salt water goes a long way. Yeah. I say salt water because pure water, tap water, um, it's, it's actually going to tend to draw out the salt from, from the tissues. There's nothing wrong with it, it's not harmful, it's not bad to use plain water, but it doesn't do as much to allow the water to pull into the tissues. Okay. So chlorinated tap water can be a little drying if you expose it right to your ma- nasal membranes. Mm-hmm. The salt water tends to make it a little easier, uh, on, uh, feel, feel better, and actually be more effective. Yeah. So that's my number one natural remedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really not been research that has supported, we already talked about vitamin C, mm-hmm. um, other types of natural products, uh, fl- flower products, and so forth. There's nothing wrong with um, things that make you feel better, like menthol. We have a lot of products for colds are mentholated, the old Vicks rub, or other things, nasal inhalers mm-hmm. now, aromatherapy. If they make you feel better, there's nothing wrong with them, and they're not really harmful. Okay. Uh, they're just not going to cure anything.
0: Okay. So my mom used to make me take a spoonful of raw honey okay. and then take like a shot of squeezed fresh lemon after. Okay. Does that work?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, again, so the honey is soothing. So, yeah, so you know, Yeah, mm-hmm. if, you're, if, if you have a sore or raw throat, it's going to be soothing. Lemon, you know, it cuts through. It's acidic, so it cuts through some of the mucus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, it's a question of does it make you feel better? If it is and it's safe, by all means. Okay. Hydration is you know of, of any of these materials is 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 good because you can you can steam something with a little eucalyptus or right. a little honey or right. a little lemon or something like that, tea. or drinking yeah. it in tea. Um, yeah. You know those all feel good and they hydrate. So right. okay. so the honey may be more you know co- like coating the problem, but if you hydrate and out, you're you're gonna get better.
0: Maybe just a placebo effect.
1: Maybe, <laughs> but who's complaining? <laughs> right, not right, me. Right.
0: Um, Carl, why do we take medication to bring down a fever when the fever is our body's method of yep. defense?
1: Yeah. What so mean? I tried to get into that before. It's a little hard to understand. the The biggest risk of a of a fever, especially if it goes very high, is dehydration. Um, so your body is literally hotter than it is, and it's gonna burn off, or it's gonna gonna um, evaporate more fluid uh, more rapidly. There is a, a little bit of a risk for kids. If that temperature goes up very fast, that that could lead to what's called a febrile seizure. Mm-hmm. So we always try to mitigate it. Um, most of the time we're not trying to eradicate the fever because it is part of our immune system. We're trying to get yourself more comfortable so that you're not losing as much fluid and can sleep and rest and 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 therefore get better faster.
0: Okay. And then Joanne wants to know if strep is unusual in adults.
1: Yeah, we see it less in, in adults we than do. we do in kids, okay. um, and and I, I'm afraid I'm not 100% clear on the reason for that. It doesn't seem to be an accumulated uh, immunity like we see in some other things. So so you know there there certainly are many uh, illnesses that we see more commonly in children than in adults. RSV I gave as an example of one right. um, that seems to be, yeah, you've just been exposed to it enough. Uh, I think, frankly, it has to do with the fact that adults don't stick their fingers in their mouth quite as much as kids do.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Dirt doesn't go. Okay, yeah. and then Misty, is hand sanitizer as effective as washing hands? Yeah, We'll say are, no.
1: We'll say <laughs> washing the hands gets that one uh, okay. b- by an edge. Um, and, and... uh it probably isn't actually about what's in the cleansing material, the soap versus the 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 uh, the gel, but how effectively you're actually getting every surface um, as as you're washing your hands. Great. So,
0: well, okay. We're out of time. We're all set. Is there anything well, else you want to
1: add? And no, no. no uh, just get your flu shot because. Yeah, uh, wash your hands and and wash your hands um, uh, you know we, we want to keep each other safe and comfortable this winter season
0: well it's been a pleasure and if you do want to make an appointment um... and <coughs> talk to dr ford you can call Eight six six three two zero four five seven three, or you can go to www.clevelandclinic.org slash medicine institute and make sure to check out all of our other interviews for practical health advice from Cleveland Clinic experts on our Health Essentials podcast at www.clevelandclinic.org slash he podcast and of course for more health tips and information keep following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat at Cleveland Clinic just one word. Thank you. We'll see you again next time.